The gospel, the gospel points to Jesus Christ and his perfect redeeming work for a particular people. And those who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit just absolutely delight in that glorious truth because we know God has chosen us in Christ to be recipients of His grace and His mercy through that perfect redeeming work. The world hates this gospel. I printed this out from Pastor Don Fortner's bulletin for last Sunday, just this morning, and I thought I would read it. It's not by Pastor Fortner. He had copied written under it. I don't know who wrote this, but I agree wholeheartedly with it. He titles it, Preachers Today. And he said, Preachers today are licensed and ordained by the church. Men of old were ordained and sent by God. Preachers today go forth armed with degrees and credentials. Men of old went forth anointed by the Holy Spirit. Preachers today are questioned by committees and hired to preach what the church believes. Men of old came preaching, thus saith the Lord. Preachers today give themselves to programs, visitations, church business. Men of old gave themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Preachers today preach and men are persuaded to move their membership Men of old preached, and they were pricked in their hearts and cried, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Preachers today pray, and the organ plays softly. Elijah prayed, and the fire of God fell. Preachers today are afraid that they will offend someone. The Apostle Paul was afraid that he would not. If there is no offense... The gospel has not been preached. And I say amen to that. We're going through the book of Isaiah in a verse-by-verse study. If you would turn please to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 has been our text for several weeks and we will continue with this as our text for a while yet. There's just too much in these verses to just skip over lightly. But I want to read an article that's in today's bulletin, just across from Don Fortner's article on the inside back cover, titled The Almighty, taken from Revelation 1.8. Follow along as I read this article. There are some false religionists who will admit that Jesus Christ is a mighty God, but not the Almighty God. They know that Isaiah referred to the coming Messiah as the mighty God, Isaiah 9.6, but Revelation 1.8 also has reference to Jesus Christ and plainly states that He is the Almighty. Those ungodly Christ-denying self-righteous religionists are polytheistic. God Himself tells us in His Word, there is no other God beside Him. 
by saying that Jesus is a mighty God, but not God Almighty, they're calling God a liar in their foolish, sinful attempts to worship Him. Every enlightened child of God is monotheistic. God has revealed to us that there is only one God. There are three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are equal in essence, power, and purpose, but only one God. You might say that's a mathematical impossibility. There can't, three can't be one. Explain that to me. Well, you might be familiar with the mathematics of this world, but no finite human being is familiar with the mathematics of heaven. I can't explain how three divine persons can be one majestic God, but I don't have to. That truth is plainly set forth in the Holy Scriptures. I believe it, therefore I declare it. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called the Mighty God. Jesus Christ has always been God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He is our Creator who spoke everything into existence by the word of His mouth. But He has not always been a man. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And the next verse says, Because you are sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's because we're His children. As a man, Jesus Christ purchased His chosen people with His own blood. He, by Himself, purged our sins. He satisfied the holy justice of God for all of His elect by laying down His life for us. As God, He raised Himself from the dead, and Jesus Christ, the glorified God-man, is now seated on His throne in heaven as a sovereign monarch over all of His creation. Those who have been delivered by His sovereign power are kept by that same power through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We see through the eye of God-given faith, Jesus Christ is our Savior, but we also see Him as Jehovah, as God Almighty, as our Sovereign Lord. By faith, we keep looking to Him, longing for His blessed, imminent return when in His times He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords. Brethren, Jesus Christ is the mighty God. So if you're in Isaiah chapter 9, let me read verses 6 and 7 in your hearing. The Word of God says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon his, the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now we've been taking these different descriptions that characterize our Lord Jesus Christ one by one, and this morning we want to look at this phrase, His name shall be called the Mighty God. Now it's obvious these two verses point us to God's darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot deny that. 
those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ but deny His deity, His absolute sovereign power, that He's equal with God the Father, are nothing but religious fools. Brethren, Jesus Christ is the main subject of God's holy book, the entire Bible. They, many of them, deny that Jesus Christ is even in the Old Testament. I shared this with you some time ago. There was a visiting preacher at a church back east and the pastor had invited him to preach and there was another local pastor that he had been trying to communicate with but they had differences of beliefs and there was just a barrier between the two of them but he was in the services the opening night of these special meetings and the visiting preacher took his text from the Old Testament and preached Jesus Christ well at the visiting preacher, I think he left before the closing prayer. He got out of there as quick as he could. Well, the pastor wanted to know what he thought of the visiting preacher, so he called him this, the, a few days later, or shortly after the meetings, and asked him what he thought of the message the visiting preacher preached. He said, you need to tell your visiting preachers if they want to preach Christ to stay in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is not in the Old Testament. Well, they're just religious fools who say that. Our Lord Jesus said this to some unbelieving Jews. He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. And He was speaking of the Old Testament Scriptures. And when he spoke to the two on the road to Emmaus, John writing the account said that he, the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus Christ preached Jesus Christ and he preached himself from the Old Testament. The New Testament had not yet been written. And so these men who deny that Scripture or that the Old Testament Scriptures do not hold Christ and, and His Gospel, uh, do not teach that. They're reading with blinders on. Or they're just blind. Also, there are many religious fools who say the church of Jesus Christ wasn't in the Old Testament and the Gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't preached in the Old Testament. But I remind you of Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament church, just before he was stoned to death by those wicked Christ-denying Jews, quoted the words of Moses, one of the Old Testament writers who said, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear. Now Moses wrote those words in the Old Testament. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Stephen pointed those unbelieving Jews to the Christ of God that had just been crucified by their wicked hands, and he said, this is He, speaking of Jesus Christ that Moses said would come, the prophet like unto Him. He said, this is He that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to Him in Mount Sinai and with the fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. They hated that. They put their hands over their ears and 
then stoned him to death because he preached the truth. The gospel is offensive to the natural man. Then the writer of the book of Hebrews illustrated God's righteous judgment on those unbelieving Jews who were not allowed to enter into the promised land. Joshua led those who were 20 years and younger into the promised land. Joshua is the same name as Jesus. Christ is the one who leads us into the promised land. The law of Moses does not do that. But the writer of Hebrews, speaking of those who perished in the wilderness, said this, Unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the gospel was preached in the Old Testament. The church was in the Old Testament. There's only one church, only one body, with one head, the Lord Jesus Christ, over that body. And He has His people from every kindred and tongue and tribe and nation from the fall of Adam up to this present day. And He has His people yet who will come out of darkness into His marvelous light as Ruth was singing the blood of Jesus Christ will never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. And when that last sheep for whom Christ died is brought into the fold, I believe that's when He's coming back. Our Lord's coming back. There's only one Gospel. Peter made no distinction between the Word of God and the Gospel when he said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. He made no distinction between the word of God and the gospel. The gospel is on every page of God's holy Bible. And we need to read with a desire to see Christ on every page. Now I want to ask you to turn over to Isaiah 43. I know we'll get to this portion of this book, but I think it'll be a little while yet. So what I want to share with you from this 43rd chapter will be uh, mentioned many, many times, Lord willing, in our messages before we get to this 43rd chapter. But let me share this with you, and I, I do thank God for your prayers for Judy and I as we went to Reading to be with her relatives and to attend her sister's funeral. Our subject this morning is Jesus Christ, the Mighty God. And I had the honor of preaching at Judy's sister's funeral some truths that I preach every time the Lord allows me this honor. I was asked to be brief, and I honored that request. It took me about 10 or 12 minutes to tell the folks what I believe the Bible teaches. I started by telling them that I attended the same church that Ruth's mother and Judy's mother attended when the Lord saved me. And that my pastor taught me some truths that many of my relatives, some who were professing Christians, 
just absolutely hated. But I've been studying the Scriptures now for over 40 years, and those truths that were taught to me by my first pastor are found right here in the Holy Word of God. So I told him, there's only one God. Now that's no deep, profound spiritual truth. Even the devil believes that, but at least he trembles. And then I shared with them what was in that article we just read. There are three divine persons that make up one glorious, majestic God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All true followers of Jesus Christ are Trinitarians. There are no exceptions. And I mentioned the work of each member of the Godhead. The Father, God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Conditional upon what His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would do. And when He came to this earth, He came to do His Father's will. Those conditions were set forth in that eternal covenant of grace before a star ever twinkled in the sky. And our Lord Jesus met all the conditions of the eternal covenant of grace. And His blood is referred to as the blood of the everlasting covenant. I told them how Jesus Christ by Himself purged our sins. How He obtained eternal redemption for us. How He saved His people by His perfect redeeming work. I told them how he raised Himself from the dead on the third day. How He ascended into glory there to appear in the presence of God for us. How He is now seated on His throne in glory as the glorified God-man with all power in heaven and earth belonging to Him. He rules and reigns over everything. With boldness I declared that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Our Lord gave me that boldness. I didn't preach loud and boisterous. I was gentle, loving, caring, praying for God to give the increase, told them that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to us. And at the close of my message, reminded them that all of us are going to go through that same door that Judy's sister went through. That's appointed. And we better be ready. And I left them with that. Now, it didn't even take me five minutes to say that. I shared some other things. But you can preach the gospel in a short time. You can say a lot in 10 or 12 minutes. But only the Holy Spirit can make it effectual. Only the Holy Spirit can take the truths that God has revealed to us under the preaching of His gospel and reveal that in a way that causes us to believe, giving us faith to believe in Him. This is God's work. Salvation is of the Lord, as Brother Steve just quoted just a moment ago. The words of Jonah, salvation is of the Lord from start to finish. He planned it, purposed it, executed it, and reveals it to us for the glory of His darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. There's only one God, and we're in Isaiah chapter 43. So I want to read in your hearing, starting at verse 10 down through verse 33. Our God tells us in His Word, speaking to His chosen people who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, Ye are My witnesses, saith the Lord. Now those who claim to be Jehovah's witnesses who deny that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, they are not Jehovah's witnesses. They're 
led by the spirit of Antichrist. And I'm not ashamed to say that. When Jesus Christ reveals Himself to us, we will be faithful witnesses of the truths of the Gospel. And we just looked at a portion of Scripture not long ago in, in Isaiah that says, if they speak not according to this Word, it's because there's no light in them. So God's enlightened children are His witnesses. But listen to what it says about His witnesses. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. There's only one God. And God Himself tells us that. He says in verse 11, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Now, if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is our Savior, confessing that He has been raised from the grave, believing that He is Lord God Almighty, God has enlightened us. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And so, God is telling us in verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord. And that God is Jesus Christ. Beside me there is no Savior. Look at verse 12. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there is no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Our Lord is telling us what is going to be accomplished by what he does for His people when He comes to this earth. This is a prophetic statement or prophetic statements concerning Christ our Lord. There is an allusion, I'm sure, to God delivering His people out of Egypt. But the main thrust of the Word of God points us to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And these are prophetic statements concerning Him. Look at verse 13. Yea, before the day was, I am He... And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it, or who shall hinder it, or who shall annul it? Jesus Christ is telling us that He's going to do His work, and He's not going to ask anybody's permission to do it either. When He created everything that we see, and it was Jesus Christ, the Word of God, who created all of this. He didn't ask anybody's permission. And He created everything just exactly like He had purposed to do it. And salvation was purposed by God Himself before time began. Everything concerning salvation was purposed by God before time began. And Jesus Christ came, like I said earlier, to do His Father's will. That Scripture in Isaiah 9-6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You cannot deny that that is pointing to Jesus Christ. A, a child born points to His, his humanity. A son given points to His deity. And it pointed, points us to Jesus Christ when He came into this world. And our text here in Isaiah 43, where the Lord says, I will... Deliver, I will work and none shall let it or hinder it. When he says, I, that, there, let me read it. Yea, therefore the day was, yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. We're safe in the hands of Christ. 
We've been delivered by the sovereign power of God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we came under the sound of the Gospel. He delivered us from darkness. Oh, that power of darkness that held us. We were held in a prison house of unbelief. We hated God just like the wicked who will spend eternity in hell. We shook our fists in His face. We ran from Him. We drank a victory like water. We loved that darkness we were in. We would not have come to Him if God the Father had not drawn us by His sovereign irresistible drawing power and brought us under the preaching of His Gospel and taught us the truths. And there, therefore, those who are taught of God shall come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in John chapter 6, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Let me read a couple of verses from Isaiah chapter 45, and then I want to take you into the, the New Testament. Look, starting at verse 20 of Isaiah 45, our Lord tells us, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. This goes right along with the, the psalm that Brother Steve read to us earlier. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. God is telling us this. He's telling us this in His Word. That there's only one God. There's no Savior beside Him. I'm not denying the Trinity. I'm just pointing you to this one glorious truth. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Blessed Trinity and He's equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. There's only one glorious God. Look at verse 22. Look unto Me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. This is God Himself saying you can't look to Him through the physical eye. We must see Him through the eye of faith. Look unto Me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. This is the only way you're going to be saved. This is the only way we're going to be delivered is by looking to Jesus Christ. That brazen serpent that was raised up in the wilderness when the poisonous snakes were biting the Jews, the Israelites, and they were dying when Moses was instructed of God to set that pole and put that brazen serpent on that pole which represented the poison that was in those people, if they looked to that brazen serpent, they were healed. Can you imagine anyone not looking? Our Lord tells us to look unto Him. Don't look to self. You look to self, you're going to get in trouble. And that's the problem with this religious people, this religious generation we're living in. They keep looking to themselves. Look what I have done for the Lord. Look what I have accomplished for the Lord. Look at me. I have made a decision for Jesus. I have exercised my free will. I, I, I. That's why I got Satan in trouble. That's why he fell. He's pointing to himself. I will be like the Most High God. I will sit on His throne. You know, folks, it's just of the devil. This religion of works. We need to look to Christ. Read on. It says, Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by Myself, verse 23, the word has gone out of My mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto Me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Now keep that in mind as we go to Philippians chapter 2. That Scripture in Isaiah 45, God Himself telling us that every knee is going to bow to Him. Every tongue is going to confess 
Him points to Jesus Christ. Those very words are almost repeated in this second chapter of Philippians. And when God says He's going to do something, He's going to do it. And I'll guarantee you, every knee is going to bow down to Jesus Christ and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if we don't do that in this life, we'll do it when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When He returns, when our Lord returns, He's going to show that He is the blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know what that word potentate means? The Greek word is dynasties. It's where we get our English word dynamite. It has to do with power. He's going to show. Our Lord Jesus is going to show that He is the blessed and only power. The only power. All power in heaven and earth has been given to the Christ of God. I know folks don't like to hear that. I'm not talking about just the power of God unto salvation. That too. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that bleeds, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. It is written, the just shall live by faith. So from faith to faith, we keep, we keep looking to Jesus Christ. But it's not just that power that delivered us from that awful pit that we were in. That power is over everything. He upholds all things by the word of His power. And we're kept by that same power through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. This power that belongs to Jesus Christ is so wonderful, it cannot even be put into words. Words can't describe the, the beauty and the wonder of it all. I'll just give you something to ponder. Next time you take a drink of water, think about this. All the little streams, all the tributaries that dump into the rivers and all the rivers that, that are in this world all dump into the sea. Yet the sea doesn't overflow. All that water that goes into the ocean, the same amount is drawn out of the ocean, purified by our God. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. Put into clouds and moved by the power of Jesus Christ wherever He wants that, that water to go that's in those clouds. And He drops the water in locations as it pleases Him so that there's a continual supply of water for His people and for all of that which has life on this earth. But only God's enlightened children recognize this power and give Him the glory just for a drink of water. And our Lord Jesus said, if you give a drink of water in My name, you shall in no wise lose your reward. And I, I, we're not talking about rewards in heaven. That's in this life. But that's, I think that's what that's pointing to. That this water comes from Jesus Christ who has been supplying this world with water ever since He created it. And that's just one aspect of His power. But every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. So read along with me from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now you have heard me quote this portion of God, of His Word, many, many times. But I I wanted to read it as your mind is filled with those words from Isaiah chapter 45, when God Himself said unto me, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Listen to this. Verses 9 through 11. Wherefore, speaking of Jesus Christ, God also hath highly exalted Him, because He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, God has highly exalted the God-man, Christ Jesus, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now folks, that's plain to me. I don't know if it's plain to you, but it's plain to me. God has highly exalted His darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's the object of all worship. And every knee better bow down to Him, confessing that He is God Almighty. The word Lord, the Greek word is kurios. It means supreme controller. He governs this whole universe. He's on His sovereign throne of power. He's a sovereign despot over all of creation, ruling and reigning over everything, working all things after the counsel of His own will, and nobody's going to stop Him from doing what He has purposed. Oh, I love that truth. Do you love that truth? I love the truth that my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has all power. Nothing can happen to His enlightened children. Nothing can happen to His elect except that which He allows. And we're as sure of heaven as if we're already there because of His sovereign power that not only redeemed us at Calvary, not only delivered us under the preaching of His Gospel, but keeps us safe in His loving arms so that absolutely nothing happens except that which is for His glory and for our good to His chosen people. Let me show you something in in Luke, if you will. uh, Chapter 5, and I'll bring this to a close. Chapter 5 of Luke. The Apostle Paul, and I quoted this a while ago, tells us, that we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now all of God's elect, all who were purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, shall come by His sovereign, irresistible drawing power. If you've come to Christ, it has nothing to do with what you have done. Matter of fact, all of us were dead in trespasses and sins. We, we hated Jesus Christ. We didn't want Him. But He made us willing in the day of His power to come to Him by faith. And so all who come to Him will come to Him recognizing and acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the mighty God. All come to Him under the preaching of the Gospel. No exceptions. You're not going to learn about Jesus gazing at the stars. We can see the handiwork of God, but you won't hear the Gospel except from those who faithfully preach the Gospel. And this is the instrument that God has chosen to draw His people unto Him. All come to Him under the preaching of the Gospel and all hear. All of those who are His chosen blood-bought people at His appointed time will hear 
the voice, the voice of Jesus Christ speaking to their heart. We will hear His voice. My sheep hear My voice, and I know them and they follow Me, our Lord Jesus said. We will hear His voice. That's inwardly. That's not an audible voice. I question those people who say, I, I heard the audible voice of God. Don't you? I, I'm not sure where they are. I don't know. I'm not questioning the fact that God cannot speak audibly, but those who say they've heard the audible voice of God, they don't preach the gospel, so God didn't speak to them. All are given faith to believe the record of God's Son that is clearly set forth in the Holy Scriptures. I know, I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and we don't understand all of the gospel when God first delivers us. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. But we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Jesus Christ under the preaching of His Gospel. God enlightens the mind. We're babes in Christ. We become young men and young women in Christ. We become mature in Christ. As we grow in this grace and in this knowledge of Christ our Savior. But we will. This is God's appointed plan for His chosen people. And all, all, of God's enlightened children see themselves as helpless, hopeless, bankrupt, hell-deserving, undeserving people, unable to come to Christ on our own. We absolutely abhor any doctrine that teaches anything that man does for salvation. And when God enlightens our mind, He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And we see ourselves not just sinners by what we do, but sin, what we are. Dead. Spiritually dead. And that's when God moves upon us to cry out to Him for mercy as He reveals Jesus Christ, the mighty God who by Himself purged our sins. Now this account in Luke chapter 5 or these two verses that I want to read in your hearing has to do with a man who had leprosy. Leprosy. And that's a picture of sin. There was no known cure for leprosy in those days. But this man was cured, healed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I might add, Every physical healing that we read about when our Lord was here on this earth during His public ministry, every miracle He performed in the opening of blind eyes, the unstopping of deaf ears, and the healing of the impotent people who had never walked, and all of those miracles of physical healing point to the spiritual healing that God performs in the lives of His chosen people when He delivers us from the power of darkness. So this leper is a picture of us. Look at verses 12 and 13 of Luke chapter 5. It says, And it came to pass when he, that is our Lord Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He didn't say I exercise my free will, so therefore make me clean. He didn't say that. And that's what false preachers are telling you to do. God has done all He can. The rest is up to you. You're the master of your own destiny. 
Poor Jesus, won't you give him a chance? Exercise your free will. Make a decision for Jesus. That's blasphemy. He cried out for mercy. He had a condition. A condition that made him an exile. He couldn't be social with his friends, his loved ones, those who did not have leprosy. He could mingle with other lepers. But when he walked down the street, he had to put his hand over his mouth if somebody was coming toward him and cry with a loud voice, unclean, unclean, and avoid them because leprosy was contagious. Well, it's a picture of us. We're outcasts. We can't have fellowship with God. We can't have fellowship with His people until we're cleansed of that awful, awful, sinful condition we're in. And this is the power of God, but He moves upon us by His Spirit to make us aware of our sinful condition so that we'll cry out with the leper, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. And listen to what our Lord said. He put forth His hand, it says in verse 13, and touched Him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed from Him. So this is the power of Jesus Christ. And He touches His people by His Spirit in such a way that we can identify with what took place with this leper. He comes in the person of the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in our heart. Folks, this is a need. This is a, this is a necessity. We will never cry out to God for mercy until the Holy Spirit dwells in here. No man can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Spirit. But when He takes up residence here, He's already come to us in a way that just defies any, any words that we can use to describe that. We must be born again. But when He comes to us and touches us by His Spirit and makes us aware of our need, that's the problem. People don't see their need of Christ. False preachers, prophets of Baal, are telling them they don't need Christ. They don't need Him. They need to do something for Christ to have permission to do something. But God's people, we see our need, just like this leper saw his need, just like blind Bartimaeus saw his need, and just like dead Lazarus knew of his need when he heard the life-giving voice of Jesus Christ saying, Lazarus, come forth. Now, he had been dead for four days. But when he heard that voice, he wasn't dead. God had already given him life. Dead men can't hear. So when Christ comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit, makes us aware of our need of Him, and moves us to cry out, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. He has already touched us. And He has already done what, he, what no other could do. He has already paid the redemption price in full. He has already shed His blood for His people. He has already satisfied the holy justice of God. He has already ascended into glory there to appear in the presence of God for us. And He moves upon us, making us willing in the day of His power to cry out for mercy in His name. And I'll guarantee you, no 
hell-deserving, ill-deserving, undeserving sinner who sincerely cries out for mercy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be turned away. But it's Christ that has moved upon us to see our need of Him and to cry out for mercy. Have you cried out? Do you know Him? Have you seen yourself as nothing but an ill-deserving sinner? If you don't cry out for mercy in this life, you will never, ever have God's mercy. If we see, if God is pleased, and I leave you with this, if God is pleased to command the light to shine in our hearts that we by faith see His glory in the face of Jesus Christ, we will never settle for any other Jesus but the one who is clearly set forth in the Holy Scriptures. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else, are the words of Christ our Savior. Look to Him and keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen.